I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. No my hide my after a big All Blacks victory, a clean sweep in the bleeders low over in Perth. After last time over there, I think there was a, a little bit of relief that they got through that one and they did it in fine style besides going down by one man at one point. We'll talk about Geordie Barrett very, very soon, but let's get into the test match now. We've got Bryn Halldown in Christchurch, James Parsons in Auckland and Jipper. You've got your chance. You've been talking to Kira Ioana now for two years. Uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, he was... Um... He was exceptional uh, yesterday. I, I think like everyone will focus in on uh, what Akira did um, statistically, you know, uh, big work rate, defence and attack, but it's what he does off the ball and um, what you don't always see has been his, his biggest growth at test match level. You know, he's been doing it for a number of years at the Blues now and um, getting in those the, the right spaces out in that wide channel to allow him time and, and space doesn't just happen. Um, and, and he's getting off the ground and doing repeated efforts. And, and that's the thing I like the most is um, that, that off the ball work to put himself in a position to be able to exploit the defence. Um, and he did just that. And, and then when he got the ball, uh, some of those fiends, that fend on uh, Ikital was um, exceptional. Um, and then, then you know, um, his selfless nature as well, uh, you know, always looking to give the ball for that try to make sure it's secured rather than going himself when he probably could have easily have gone himself as well. So look, all in all, is a massive all-round performance, great at set piece, great off the ball, uh, great defensively and fantastic it was with ball in hand. That jersey's his now, Bryn, you reckon, for the rest of the championship if he wants it? Oh, look, I think the growth that, you know, he had from last year, we talked around probably last year, is last year been able to, to kind of stamp his mark in their number six jersey and then Went through the Super Rugby Trans Tasman and Aotearoa and continued to improve in that with a lot of competition in that Blues in that Blues team. And then, you know, that performance on the weekend was probably the best that I've seen at Akira at that level. And, you know, he seems to be consistently out doing this time and time again. And, you know, that just comes with the nature of him being able to play every single week and being able to iron out a few things, but, you know, more so taking it to that level of potential that he's always had. And so the two things that I really enjoyed was, I think, first and foremost, his, his second efforts and being able to work on and off the ball, both on an attack and defensively. But... You know, the ability with him, we know how much of a great a ball runner he is, but the two try assists that he had, because he has so much damage and so much, um, people have so much respect for him, they always gravitate towards, towards him defensively. And, you know, the draw and pass where he could have gone by himself, it gives it to Will on the right-hand side. And then another one to Anton Leonard Brown in the second half. It's just kind of seen how much growth he has had in this game. And it comes back to also the All Blacks as well around getting him in those opportunities with that space and time. Like I look at Will Jordan when he gave that quick pass to him. And then Akira obviously uses footwork and beats Korobedi Ikatao when he was on the edge. so um, But look, I think Akira's in a rich reign of form and um, with a guy like that, you know, they're going to play Argentina. Do they arrest him or do they just keep playing him? Because I think with a guy like that, with, he's had so much potential and has actually just played consistently. I think the more and more time he's going to get, um, the more and more we're going to see performance like, performance like that we did on the weekend. Jipper, you know him well. You've been in the team with him for a long time. Backing a guy like that with his personality type and saying to him, here you go, it's yours. Does that make a big difference for a guy like Akira Ioane? Oh, look, absolutely. I think any player um, loves to be uh, backed. But I, I think one thing he's um, sort of proving to himself that he's, he's world-class at international level and um, he's done it back-to-back -back, 
now as well, which, you know, we sort of spoke about last week, the importance of backing up a pretty impressive performance at Eden Park. And now he's, he's gone again. Um, you know, I, I think that is, you know, saying a lot. And now for him to have, I suppose, that physical nature change in styles coming up is another test and another opportunity for him to stamp his mark um, mm. in, in the international arena against a different opposition and a, and a different way of playing and, and potentially not uh, probably going to see the opportunities and space that he's seen in, in past weeks and finding a way to be able to show his skill set um, against you know uh, rush defences and, and something a little bit different. Mm. Uh, speaking of rush, how fast does his brother look? <laughs> oh, Rico, yeah, when he sees He's, a hole. Well, we talked about I think last thing. Um, Ian Foster brought it up last year around he had just a wee little um, niggle with the soft tissue injuries around his hamstring last year, and so a little bit might have taken away his speed a little bit. But I think if you look at this year, a fully fit Rico, he looks fit, he looks fast, he looks like he's um, you know been able to play a lot, and, and you know. Could arguably be at centre, but fortunately, you know, he's got a great ability to be able to play on the wing as well. And, you know, before he was selected in the wing this, this season, you know, a couple of years ago, he was arguably the best in the world. So, you know, the things that I love, we, we know with ball on hand, like he's just got that extra speed, the extra burst, and every time he sends it, touch the ball, it just feels like he's going to break open the game. But the thing as well, you're talking around Akira and his ability off the ball and being able to work it defensively. Rico did an awesome um, uh, Got Tom Banks. Tom Banks made a not made, made a massive line break, and Tom Banks was back in his ear, his pins pin back, and Rico has just caught him um, defensively, and making those kind of plays as well. So you know, not only is he making massive plays uh, attacking wise, but you know, defensively, which you've talked around his speed before, there's no substitute for it. And yes, it wasn't a decision making kind of um, defensive read, but you know, anytime you can get back and be able to make a big play like that for your team, especially with Australia making inroads massively in that kind of scenario in the game. Um, it kind of just adds to where he is, where his game's getting to and how much um, of a valuable player he is, considering, you know, Sevi Reese is there as well. He's been fantastic um, with his performances, but Rico's playing well, and, you know, I'd hate to be a selector to see he's going to pick that number 11 jersey come Argentina next week, this coming week, sorry. I think I think that defensive play that you're talking about when he, he gets back and makes um, the tackle, and, and I've got to say, from an entertainment point of view, I love how he does that little hand gesture and he's... <laughs> shaking his head afterwards. I mean, it's good theatre um, from a spectator's point of view. Um, but I, I think it emphasises the difference in the two teams at the moment. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, if you watch it, Rico sort of buys time for his teammates to get to him. So he's sizing up Callaway, but almost he's going backwards as he's looking at Callaway, looking at him. And then he sort of does a pump fake to go forward to him, but then goes back. And by that stage, it forces Callaway to pass quite early and then he gets off and, and he uses that speed. Not many players could do what he did and, and get back and make that tackle. But if you watch it, all the black jerseys that are coming and the, the time he's creating defensively and selfishly, he doesn't try to take himself out of that play. He mm. reads it, buys time for his teammates, gets back, makes the tackle, big play and, and obviously takes him out. The difference is, if we talk about um, a couple of line breaks that a kid have made off the back of Will Jordan. So uh, the Aussie team flew out of uh, in their defensive system to put pressure on Will Jordan. And his sleight of hands, I think, you know, mm. two, two times got to Akira, it, it, it led to tries. And another time it, it, it got to Aki and he, he made a massive line break and he linked inside um, with TJ. And I think those defensive frailties and breaking your system and not reading what's needed for the moment are the differences because those those opportunities that where guys flew out and didn't make the tackle or didn't stop the play led to opportunities mm. for the All Blacks to score and I yeah. think the Aussies just uh, need to be able to say okay if I'm going to fly here I've got to hit man and ball and I have to stop mm. this dead if I don't we know we were going to end up and it's probably going to be behind our sticks whereas Reeks really read that situation well I know it's a little bit more drastic, his situation, but I felt that was a good sign of the difference in terms of the defensive structures. And it goes back to the old adage, defense will win you championships. Mm. And I think you know, I think just on that as well, I think that probably the difference, you know, the, the All Blacks you know, operating at 84% tackle success rate, which, you know, isn't great and what they probably want to work on a few things with how Tate McDermott and especially even their phase play attack with Lollisier going to the line and giving the ball on the insides. You know, I thought they actually posed a lot of questions with the All Blacks and, Probably the, the, the massive difference around it is David Rennie talked about it, Michael Hooper talked about it, 
it's just they're, they're not clinical enough at the moment. The, the opportunities that they are getting and they're getting line breaks, they're just not, they're not making making points out of it. Whereas the All Blacks are, you look at um, David Havili's second try, um, you know, they make a nice line, line break. Um, Lola Seag is a great inside ball with a flick with a bit of flair. But then off that, if that's the All Blacks, you know, they're scoring first or second phase through the amount of pressure that they do have. Whereas the difference is Corabitti picks and goes a little bit, gives the time for the defense to kind of reset and then Davian gets an intercept and they go for another try. They go for a 14-point try, really. So I think the difference at the moment is that in the attack engine there with the attack is that the All Blacks are just so so clinical and so ruthless when they did get the opportunities. Like, you look at Bowden Barrett's left, left, left grubber kick for Will Jordan, drawing pass to Weber. Weber gives it to, to Geordie Barrett and they score like that. So they're taking the opportunities where I think the Australians on the weekend posed a lot of questions in the attacking side with with a lot of defensive... With, here you even look at the defensive percentage of what the All Blacks defended at. But the problem is, is they're just not getting there. And then probably defensively as well for the All Blacks, their scramble defense is on another level. And the difference between the All Blacks and being able to defend, 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 even when they are, when they're line, when they do get the line break against them. Whereas the Australians, when they are given coughing up the ball, the All Blacks and their click attack are um, probably a little bit of a difference at the moment. The All Blacks scramble well too. There was a nice sort of held up there at one stage. There, there seems to be another line there of defense, whereas the Wallabies appear to be wide open once you through. Yeah, look, I think the All Blacks, um, you know, 84% won't be you know positive for, for them in that sense. But if you watch the start of the game, Tate McDermott was looking to run a lot. And if you watch the forwards in and around the ruck where they've made a, a lot of gains, the Wallabies, and that's where all of their tries came from in the weekend in the second half is around that, mm. that breakdown area and, and, and their nines running or Pete Samo picking through the middle. But early on, those men around the ruck, they were set, they were solid, and they adjusted their line speed. If, if nine ran, they weren't as aggressive with their line speed. If nine gave early, they were really aggressive and pushed the Wallabies back yeah. early. And I think defensively, they, they were outstanding in that first 40. Let's not forget that mm. they had a red card at some stage. They defended with 14, so they've, they've got to protect the front field, the back field with one less. And they managed to, although I, I do agree that probably the Aussies let them off the hook, um, you know, doing the crossfield kick rather than going through the hands and then obviously the double movement and the maul, but they still put bodies where they needed to be to, to prevent uh, points being scored. So I, I think defensively they'd be really happy with the effort on the weekend. Yep, they were beaten around the heart again, and, and we all know that you don't want to be beaten around the heart. Um, but, you know, McDermott is a classy character, so is Nick White. And we know the impact that Pete Samu can bring off the bench. We've seen him do mm -hmm. it for the Crusaders, Tasman, uh, Brumbies, and, and now he's doing it at international level. But I think those tries show that they're not set-piece tries. They're off the cuff, and that's when they're at the best is when they're just playing what they're seeing. You know, Samu saw that All Blacks are trying to fold and the others were held up in that scrum, so he picks through the middle. Tate gets held up a little bit at their ruck. He pumps a dummy. Beats Brad Weber on the inside, and, and he's through. And then Nick White runs and, and runs a cut um, in and around that breakdown off the back of all the same thing as quick ball, that breakdown mm. quick ball. So I think the Wallabies' attack is there, and they've got the okay. blueprint and the ability to penetrate sides. But one, it goes back to that option taking. But I think more importantly is getting that quick ball more and more often to get you know defensive sides not having the ability time to mm. set. Mm. Will Dave Rennie be incredibly frustrated or is he seeing enough improvement in areas on attack and defence to be happy that they're going in the direction he wants them to go, Bryn? Well, I think if you're talking around attacking, um, it, was a, it's a, it was a massive improvement on the on the weekend. Like, whenever the reason why the All Blacks were attacking 84% is because of what Jit was saying, the quick ball, the ability that the Australians play off nine, whether it be McDermott, who I thought was outstanding and had 10 carries, was pretty much had 90 metres and was breaking consistently with um, with the All Blacks and even Nick White with that um, little little snipe and giving it back with that cut with Tom Banks. So they've got an identity around around playing off their nine. So it's continually been able to get that really, really quick ball and play on top of teams to then be able to go through the heart, which they have even Karevi in that first three minutes, which even got bought break up. Because it was um, it was a penalty, you know, going through the heart defense is a is a good way to try and penetrate the All Blacks at the moment with how how they attack. Um, but you know, to play to play the All Blacks, if you're looking on the weekend with how much how ruthless they were in the form that they had on attack, you're only going to have a few opportunities in games where you need to be able to score your points. You look at half time, it was 18-0. 
it should have been possibly, you know, if Corabetti doesn't double movement net, it's not 18 points, and then, you know, George Bauer gets a steal, kick it into the corner, and then David Harvilli scores that, that line-out drive. So the ability that they need to have and be real, especially against the All Blacks, even coming up against the World Champions South Africans, when they do have the opportunities, they've got to take them. Because at the moment, the other teams at the moment, and yes, they are playing the All Blacks, who are pretty ruthless in that regard at the moment, they are getting points when they need them, especially at the back end of half-time. Um, that's where they're getting their points. I, I reckon he will be happy. And the reason why I say that is because I reckon they're in control of all the mistakes, mm. if you know what I mean. Like they're in control of breaking their defense system. They're in control of option taking, um, you know, the cross-field kick when it's on to go hands, the double movements. It's not like it's, you know, it's not like they're losing games on, on the back of teams just putting them under massive amounts of pressure. Mm. A lot of their games are losing them off the back of their own errors. So yes. I know that sounds weird, but he's probably going to be, you know, um, I suppose not happy with that, but he knows they can control those. And if they yeah. control those, they will be in games more often than not. So you both mentioned the heart defense and also the quick ball through the middle that the Wallabies are getting. It seems to be an area where the All Blacks are falling over and, and finding a defensive weakness. What can the All Blacks do better in and around the ruck to stop that kind of attack succeeding against them through the rugby championship? Oh, I think I sort of touched on it before because they did it really well in the first half. They adjusted their line speed. So if nine runs, you've, you've got to allow them the time to run. You can't you know rush and create holes for them to put forwards away. And then you know if he doesn't, he just delivers the pass. You know you can get off the line. And line speed, and I suppose the challenges are coming when it's late in the game, and, and you know bodies are starting to tire. So I, I think that's probably the the one area they'll look at, and and the one way to help it is to get a really good low tackle and get a second arriving player in there to slow the ball down or get a turnover. Um, and if you yeah. can't do that, you're always going to be on the back foot, and and it will it will be challenging. So it's those first up tackles and and yeah. the aggressive nature of what you can provide at that breakdown to buy your teammates time in and around that ruck to set, mm. identify what threats are in front of them, and then make the right decision. I think there's one thing that they will probably want to address. And look, I think because there were there were plenty of times in that match where Jip was talking even that first 10 minutes, how they had a real good line set, good chop tackle, and even you know, Anton Leonard-Brown in the first part of that second half got a nice turnover. Um, early on, Davey Harvilli got a nice turnover. So they are making good decisions. They got six turnovers compared to the Australians four. So um, they did a good ability sometimes when they did get it right. They put them under a mount of pressure line speed. Um, Wallabies didn't go anywhere and they'll have turnovers. But what they can control and they probably will be controlling this moving forward is the pick through the rucks. You know, your rock defenders have to have a really good onus and understanding of like you've got to be able that's your that's your that's your place to be able to to hold that. So um, even though if it is quick ball, you've got to identify that as a rock or a pillar, the first pillar by that ruck either side to identify if you're going through the ruck. So I can imagine that Moving forward, there won't be a lot of there'll be a lot of solutions around that, and you won't see those pick and goes in such easy ways to get in behind the All Blacks um, defense walls because um, I think the Rocks will be able to identify that, and they'll probably put more of an onus on our halfbacks getting in behind and being able to control that and not give such easy outs like Kiribi and Pete Sarma did on the weekend. Hey, let's get to the controversial moment. Jordy Barrett, red card, goes up to take a high ball. His knee's out at first, which is kind of normal, but then suddenly at the last minute, his boot flicks out. It kicks Colin Better in the face, and then suddenly he's red-carded. So, one-word answer to start from both of you. Jipper, you first. Should that have been a red card? Yeah. One word. I don't think yes. you can do it in one word. I'm not going to yeah. be pushed into that because it's, yes it's, no? so, it's a hard... It's a hard one because if you use um, Namboro from a few years ago, the Highlanders, you know, his mm. eyes are looking at the defender coming at him and then he extends the boot, whereas Geordie's eyes are on the ball the whole time and, and it naturally extends. And I don't think there was intent um, and, and it was mm. genuine. Like, I feel it was accidental. And people probably will say, oh, yeah, you're a Kiwi. But, you know, even Tim Horan, who's an Aussie great, said there's no way yeah. that's a red card because it was, you know, accidental. Because you could almost go to the point, and, and a lot of people have said this, is the boot to Michael Hooper's face is accidental, but it, it's still, you know, he got removed from the field. Is that going to become a red card? You know, so I'm not saying it, it's like for like, but 
there, there, I feel like there's a lot more mitigating circumstances for Geordie when he's going to the judiciary, whereas um, Tavita Namboro, when he went, um, it was he, he almost cited the guy and extended his leg towards him, where, whereas I feel like he's looking at the ball the whole time. So um, there's a genuine, um, you know, accidental nature to this injury. Hmm. So that's a no? Well, I think a precedent will be set now because we haven't really seen an accidental one of these. Previously, mm. well, I haven't anyway. Previously, all we've seen is that one in, in Super Rugby, is what one I was talking about, where he cited the Waratahs winger coming towards him, then extended it. This time it's mm. extended with him without him knowing where the defender is. And it, it's no different to um, someone in Corumbeti's position that has to wait and let the guy land before he hits him. He's got a responsibility. Mm. It might now post this situation. The guy catching it has a responsibility not to extend his foot. And if he does, then it will, mm. you know, the precedent will be set that it is a red card. So I think we're in a grey area zone at the moment. Yeah. there isn't a precedent. I think. I think thankfully that twenty-minute red card was it was in play because you know I, I I agree that you know you can go either both way whether it's a red card or not. I thought it looked like accidental. Geordie wasn't doing it on purpose, but we talk about player safety and it was straight to the head. And so you can warrant the reason for it to be a, possibly be a red card. But, you know, especially early in that game, it happened in the 28th minute. If we go back to this, you know, the Lions series when Sonny Bull got sent off very early in the game, it takes away how you can play a game, especially with Geordie being at 15, who's, you know, you talk about the, the role, the double pivot, the pendulum, being able to only have one in the back. Like Will Jordan actually ended up being in the backfield quite a lot due to Geordie being, um, being red carded. But... Thankfully, that 20 minutes was there because then you could be able to, for a spectator, right or wrong, whether you're Australian or New Zealand supporter, the 20 minutes didn't actually, like, wasn't that much of a hindrance. Yes, the All Blacks had to be able to go through the solution process, and they did really, really well, especially even with Artie Savia going off and Cody Taylor going off through that period, and they held their nerve and be able to uh, get seven points during that 20-minute kind of spell. But I think the fact that it was only 20 minutes, um, the All Blacks did enough to be able to hold on and actually did what they needed to through that period of time. But as a consumer, as a, as, a, as a fan, you get the, still the spectacle aspect, uh, which you probably didn't for that Lion series with the example of Sonny Bill being sent off. Yeah, yeah. Here's where I have trouble with it. And that's the idea that, you know, a sprig can go into someone's eye and they can end up losing sight out of one eye, which could quite easily happen. It was not far from his eye. Um, and with that being the case, does intention matter? Well, that's what I mean. I think we're in a place where the, the, there's going to be a precedent set because it's no different to when a guy got taken out mid-air and he could land on his neck. Mm. And now there's a clear precedent and there's a clear way that um, we're expected as players to look after the guy in the air that's attacking the ball. Do, do you know what I mean when I'm saying that? Mm. So that, that's what I'm saying. I think this is a turning point that this will be very clear going forward that you can't extend it. And if you do extend it, accidental or not, you will face mm. repercussion. The laws at the moment, and in fact, all of the rules at the moment seem to be heading in that direction. I feel like the precedent has already been set in a lot of ways. Yeah, but not of this exact nature. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes you need the incident to happen to know how it's going to mm -hmm. be dealt with. And, and look, the red card happened. So he dealt with it within the laws of this current but he might not get the six weeks that Tavita Namboro got when he cited him. Do you know what mm. I mean? So when he goes to the citing commissioner, he's not getting six weeks because there's mitigating circumstances is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 Um, I, the other thing Poorly, is now, <laughs> <laughs> if it's a well-placed high ball, who is the attacking player? If you know what I mean? Like, it, it's quite difficult. Is the attacking player the first person who's closest to the ball in the first instance? Yeah, I, I think it's the one that attacks it in the air and gets, you know, obviously the height advantage. Hmm. So if you don't have the height advantage, doesn't matter if you're looking at it or not, and you're going to clip his legs, you better bail out and yeah. get out of there because we know. Yeah, you're going and to it's, usually, you don't. It's, it's usually the guy receiving it because, you know, obviously they're not coming from such a far way. They're already set back. And they've already got a, uh, they're usually in a better position to be able to get up for the ball. So it's the guy that's coming, that's going to go from the ball, that's the attacking team that's kicking it. They've got to be really aware and understand, all right, oh, if, I'm, if I'm too late, then I've got to bail out because I'm just not going to get up for the ball. 
But if obviously if it's a contestable kick where it's like 19, 20 meters, then you know you're probably going to go like that, where it's going to be e- uh, a little bit easier. Considering the punishment's already been there for the red card, should this now be a case of there being no punishment further? I, I think it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they deal with it because I think it's totally different to yeah. Naboru's case in, in Super Rugby. Yeah. Mm. Mm, yeah, and, and that had a profound effect. We didn't see him for a couple of years. He went completely off the yeah. radar. Well, that's the reason. Well, that's it's... the reason why Jipper said it's, it's such a great area because mm. it hasn't it hasn't happened a lot, you know. So, with the difference between the examples that we've used, that if you talk about the red card and the laws, the kind of jumping the ball in the air and the player safety around that if he doesn't swing onto his neck and break, like you know, possibly of him breaking his neck would be the worst case scenario. So, those kind of instances happen quite a lot where that's quite common in, in the games. But whereas you know, Nabora was probably the only um, example, and the only other time I could think of it was actually in league when Billy Slater actually did it um, with his with his technique that he had. So um, I think it's a grey area, and like it's a very um, unique situation that we have. You know, it's very uncommon that we'll see this happen again. But there has to be precedence moving forward around what that might look like. And you know, hopefully for a Kiwi's sake, and you look at what Tim Horan said around it. You know, possibly that shouldn't be a red card. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You'd like to think that the fact that Geordie did get recarded in that circumstances, and it was for 20 minutes, um, that will go into the uh, judiciary system around him not getting such a, a big ban like no border. And I think getting... the one positive out of it, I think the one positive out of it, sorry, Ross, is that, you know, Cornbury didn't get injured, and mm. it's obviously brought up a relevant area that is grey now. But I think coming out the back of the judicial hearing, there will be no grey area moving forward. Yeah, which can only be yeah. good for the game and the referees because it's unfair on the referee in a lot of ways to have a grey area when he's making such a big call in such an important time of a test match. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, there's always it's always a tough job refereeing at the best of times um something like this that can give clear parameters i suppose for them to make easier decisions on the go um you know i, th- I think it'll, it'll obviously lessen the pressure on them in big test matches it's that time of the week again um let's talk bowden barrett versus richie Morton. <laughs> let's let's do it all over again we need a sting a piece of music that we run with this and some graphics and, and animation and the like is that for the weekly segment Bowden Barrett, um, Akira, Rico, Bodie. Uh, anybody else? Do we want to go anyone else? No, sorry. We'll go, we'll go Bodie. We'll go Bodie. We'll play well on the weekend. Sorry. Chip a go, mate. You're, it's, your, it's your time, mate. Hey, mate. I'm very complimentary of everyone when it's when it's deserved. Well, I, just want, I want to know, you know, what you made of his efforts, really. A good, very broad question um, because he seemed like he was on the money. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think if you look at it, statistically from a game point of view you see you know 38 percent territory and um 40 possession and it's easy to think oh man they did well with those sorts of stats but i think that's a reflection on the game drivers and, and bodie's a big part of that their their i suppose their balance of attack their kick strategy and their choice of kicks um and and their execution of it um, and by that i mean you know a lot of their tries came from deep and it's easy enough in those situations to go oh look we'll get it down there play the you know field position but they they chance their arm 
and tried to make some penetration with the pitches they saw. And then mm. obviously if they were feeling that line speed pressure, you know, not it's not just Bodie, it's the guys in and around them calling those calls, but little that little grubber in behind, but there were a number of other kicks that were really effective for their game plan and strategy. And that's what I think he controlled really well. And he just orchestrated their game plan mm. um, in all parts of the field where I suppose, I mean, that's why he's played 93 tests is, is it, it isn't always as easy as you think if you use it on the flip side for Lolo Seo when, um, you know, they have a man up and, and, and they're going for a crossfield kick when it's not quite on. That's where their balance of attack and their option taking wasn't quite as sound. And, and that was probably the difference. And that's why I, I think Bodie would be really happy with um, mm. the performance of himself, but more importantly, the performance of, of the men in front of him. And, um, you know, I think the smarts, and, and I know it's a group thing, but I, th I always think the 10 will be driving how they play. To go to the, you know, they're, they're 30 out, they're a man down. It's, it's smart play to go to the mall, to score a try off it is amazing. Even Dave Havili scores off it. Because that's where they're down in numbers, is out in the back. So they go to the mall and, and they muscle up and, and, you know, Davey joins in. Selfless play from um, Tokiaho to pass it back to Blackadder. Blackadder gives it to Havili. They eventually get the try. But it's those sorts of things that aren't the highlight reel, but that's the control and the decision-making and, and under pressure delivering for his team to get the result that we saw yesterday that I think he'll be most happy with. Hmm. Other impressive people more in your um, area, Bryn, TJ Pedernata looked very sharp in his return. Yeah, he did. I think, you know, he came on for the 54th minute and, um, you know, he's done it time and time again in his career, being able to be that impact around, have a real good understanding of, of kind of moments in games. And, you know, you look at that, the tie that he did set up, you know, the Australians made a great, um, great attack from that. And we're going through the line, it was off a line break. And then, you know, TJ has a really good ability to be able to, whether that be an intercept or make a big moment in a game. And I've uh, got that intercept, did some great footwork, and then put some a great cross for a kick in for Georgie Bridge to uh, to score that try. And really, that was the the nailing of the game. Probably actually the David Havilia try before that was the nailing of the game, but kind of just put it a little bit more. But yeah, I think the more time that he's going to get, you know, this guy's played you know seventy odd Test matches, so you know it's not going to take him long. Very similar to Brody Retallick, you know, and, and Bodie as well. It doesn't take guys that long to be able to get back to where they need to be, even if they've been in a different competition and been in Japan, but. Look, I think he'll be stoked with his with his game, and you know I thought Brad Weber was was outstanding on the weekend as well. You know I thought he really let the um, set the platform really well. Talking around um, Aaron Smith's um, speed of ball to get to the ball, um, Brad did that really really well, and then you know had some great touches being able to play interplaying with um, a draw and pass set up for the first trial with Geordie Barrett, um, and did some good box kicks in it, box kicks and did some actually great scramble D as well. So. Look, I think both of them had, had great games in respect to what they needed. You know, we talked around first around what Aaron Smith gives you um, starting a game. And look, I thought Brad has he been able to be able to do that, especially the, the tempo that the All Blacks play and gets in and around the ball, whether it be um, um, second touches off line breaks. He's, he's really good at that. And defensively, I thought he put his body on the line and showed some really good hits as well and some great scramble D. And, and then TJ comes on and um, does what he does around the, the stuff that I've explained. So... It'll be interesting to see where they do go because they're going to, one guy is going to get another opportunity to play. So uh, both guys had, had good matches, especially with what was needed. Brad started and did what you needed off him, and then the game opened up around TJ and bringing Albert Bear um, have his ability to have um, instinct of rugby, which he does, which he does really, really well. And and one of the key things, Bryn, I think out of that um, what you just said there is his defensive organisation in that red card period. Yeah. When they're down to 14, you're nine, so crucial in and around that ruck yep. to be directing forwards or potentially for him slipping into that D line to fill a hole where a forward might not be or covering the chip space. And the, the, there's a lot going on. They're having to communicate a lot. And to not have any points scored against them in that um, period is a team-wide effort, the 14 men on the field. But there are some key people, your fullback and your nine and your defensive system mm. that play a key role. And, Sometimes that stuff yeah. goes unnoticed because you, you don't really know defensive systems as a viewer, but he, he was massive yeah. in that period of the game. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Another person who looked uh, pretty sharp, David Havili taking line-out ball too. That that take off that long line-out was incredible. But what about that midfield combo? Have we settled here? Is this combo for the future? Oh, look, I think, I think look, I'm, Davey's um, been probably... In great form considering that you know you look at last year he was a fullback 
Um, and it's his first year really getting into the uh, number 12 jersey since he was younger with the Crusaders, time at the Crusaders, and then been able to play back-to-back tests in um, the last couple of games. But, no, look, I think, you know, Davey's been in a rich reign of form, and he's, it's just the little things as well. He topped the tackle count with, with 12 tackles, and a lot of those tackles were against a guy like Sebu Kirby, who, you know, had 21 ball carries and didn't really, um, you know, get a, a lot of bar the pick and go through the middle, you know, played well, but I think it was a really good test for Davey for what's to come. We've talked around the South African midfielders and, you know, with um, Delende and Am who are in such great form. A test like that with Kirevi, um, who's a, a great ball runner and real physical, I think it came in a good time for Dave. And then I think the, the intercept try is something that Dave does a lot of time with his time being at fullback back in, back at the Crusaders and anticipating where the ball is going to be. Um, I've seen him do that plenty of times. He, he did it actually in um, Super Rugby against the Brumbies. He got an intercept in similar circumstances and has a real good knack in that defensive system. We're talking around a pendulum and understanding where the ball is going to be and your positioning and the line speed. I think that's where he's made massive gains. And with Anton Leonard-Brown as well, I think they're complementing each other really, really well. And, um, you know, Davey's doing some really good things and Anton's been able to um, complement that as well. But, you know, I think Davey's in a, in a really good place and uh, I think it's going to be a good test for him coming with the Argentinians. But if he does continue to keep playing, that combination going forward against the um, South Africans will be a really enticing battle. Yeah, I think you're right around Davey, around those intercepts. I reckon he really picks his targets. He always seems to pick on forwards, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. forwards hear that they've got to get that ball to that edge. You know, they they know the space is there, and it's almost like Matt Phillips just caught and gave it. You know, he didn't really, um, you know, size up what sort of threats were out there in terms of the All Blacks. And, and it's almost like he senses that, um, I suppose, that type five skill set isn't like a, a inside back or a, an outside back and, mm. and you know, is is so smart to read that situation on the run to know that it's a high percentage play that intercept. Mm. That's not a low percentage guess play. It's a real high percentage play. And I think that epitomizes the way he's playing at the moment. Everything he does is at a high percentage um, success mm. rate. And he doesn't he doesn't leave anything to chance during the week, you know, and I don't think he leaves um, anything to chance when he's out there on, on, on game day either. He, he really dots his eyes and crosses his T's and, and everything he does. Mm. Uh, Bryn, one of the terms that you use regularly is pendulum. Um, for people who watch the show and, and don't necessarily fully understand what the concept of the pendulum is on defence and, mm. and how it works, could you maybe break that down a little bit? Yeah, of course, of course. So, like the pendulum is, is the backfield, so the backfield cover. So, um, if we use the All Black as an example, they usually have a ten and a fifteen in the backfield, kind of moving like a pendulum. So, if the ball is going either side, they're working like collectively together to be able to cover the backfield. And so, that's what we talk about with the pendulum with ten and fifteen. But the other people that are involved in that is your nine, like Tripper said. So, if you go down to a to a what we did on the weekend, we lost a player with uh, number fifteen with Geordie. So then Will ended up being in the backfield and then obviously the nine might drop back a little bit because there's not two guys in the backfield cover. So the nine and the fullback will be working together collectively. And so, But then if you go defensively as well, what that does is if you've got the two guys in the backfield, our wingers, 11 and 14, are playing really high. And so if you look in the previous two test matches with Sebu Reese being able to get the intercepts, it's because they're high knowing that the two people in the backfield are there to cover them, telling them to where to go. So for it to work really, really well, you've got to be able to communicate really well. So your 10 and 15 in the back are given the confidence for the for the, for the for the wingers to be able to stay high and go for those intercepts and stay high and bring the line seed pressure. And until what that does going inside, it gives Davey and Anton Leonard-Brow, or if it's a loose forward on the edge, defending there, giving them confidence to go up. So really good teams have a really good understanding of communication skills with those two guys, two guys in the back. And nine has a really good understanding of what his role is around the heart defense and Probably one thing they will want to uh, marry up and not with, the, with those pick and goes through the middle. They'll want to rectify those things, but that's kind of the idea of what the pendulum got, the pendulum does. And so um, the All Blacks at this stage um, are making some really good gains um, from having that kind of pendulum system at the moment. Jibber, did I miss anything on that? <laughs> you nailed it, mate. You nailed it. Hmm. <laughs> There'll be a test later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The pendulum doesn't want to see Samu Kirby busting out of a ruck after a couple of minutes with Corin Betten near him. Um, let's talk a little bit about Samu. Like, obviously, he's a guy who's based overseas, but do the Wallabies need to make the most effort they can to make sure that this guy remains in their mix for the long term? Well, he's a, he's a busy player, isn't he? He likes to be a, a involved. And with that comes defensive attention. 
And so it doesn't always mean Samu's going to come out the other side of a defensive line, but what it does mean is it can create opportunity for others um, because of that defensive attention on him. There must be space mm. somewhere else. Um, so I think he's a key cog in that sense in terms of their attack play, but also I think he's a key cog in, in helping out the young young man, Noah Lolosio, inside him um, really develop um, his game and, and his ability to take the right option more often than not um, because mm. we know he's got the skill set. We saw some lovely touches again by Noah um, really injecting himself with that inside ball and when he's playing you know, flat and fast and it's 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 sort of on a platter for him, he's, he's great. It's having guys like Samu out, outside him that can sort of relieve a bit of the pressure if it's not going to plan. You, you know you know he can get a gain line carry. That is key. Um, and and I know Paisami's, you know, outstanding, but um, I, I think he's not quite at that um, Samu Karevi stage just yet. And I think mm. someone like Samu Karevi could be great for Hunter as well um, and, and, and Ikitao and all those guys um, coming through mm. to – to create a long line of strong midfielders um, for years to come yeah. for the Wallabies. Yeah, I think what I think the difference with Hunter Hunter at the moment is like we've seen his form in Super Rugby. And he's, he's a young fellow, and even Ikatao as well. They're going to be able to have, the more time that they do have, the better they're going to get. But it's it's those things where if I look at Hunter and probably the first couple of Test matches, they were just you know there were mistakes that kind of just that cost them. And so whether it be a little offload trying a little bit too much or if it's an intercept, little things like that, especially against the All Blacks, you can't really afford to be able to do that. So um, through time, play more time, he's going to be um, great moving forward. But I think with having a guy like Karevi, who you look here, 21 carries on the weekend, had a great pick through the middle, which was heads up rugby that ended up being a penalty. But he's really decisive and hit in his game, and there's no, there's not that many mistakes around him. So when you're not putting your team consistently under pressure through um, through mistakes, um, Samu does that. And so he's going to be able to give a lot more um, into You talk around Quade Cooper. We talk about the influence that he would have on Noah. Having a guy like Karevi, who's played a lot of test matches and has a really good understanding of what his way of how he plays, it's only going to help, help the likes of Ikitao and um, Paisami moving forward, having him in the squad and him playing. Before we move on quickly to looking at next week, uh, Tate McDermott, who of course was a standout player, labelled his team as soft post-match. Is that fair, Jeppa? Oh, look, I think... Look, I've been guilty of this as well. I'll, I'll make no bones, you know. When, you, when you're on the back of a hard loss, um, emotions are running high and, and you want something so desperately, you say things that, um, you know, aren't necessarily correct because um, I don't think they're soft. I, I think, as I said before, I think there'll be parts of Dave Rennie, you know, that he'll be really confident with where they're heading um, because they're in control of their own sort of destiny but I think it just shows why he's so good because of the standards he sets on himself mm. and, and his teammates around him um, but I, I think they've they've got to find a way um, I suppose to take the positives out of it to be able to get back on the horse because they're not um, coming up against anything lesser uh, this coming week and um, you know having any questions of each other isn't going to help those sorts of preparations so I don't think he necessarily meant it. I, I think he was just really frustrated um, with with the with the result. Um, but I, I think it sort of shows you why he's so so good because you can mm. see the sort of standards he'd be driving himself. Mm. Yeah, typical halfback. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what though. Like, if you're talking around. Um, performances on the weekend, look, he's continued to be a, a standout for that side, isn't he? Like, um, his ability to be able to um, pose questions around that heart defence and even just um, instinctual, instinctive things happening around Tate. You know, there are a couple of times, it was just off the cuff, and every time he has the ball, he's just got that explosiveness, especially for a, not a big man, but, you know, he's deceptively strong and is, is deceptively fast as well. So, look, I think the more that they can marry up their, their attack phase around around tape, because at the moment he's really imposing a lot of questions and it's going to be great to see him moving forward against different oppositions. Look at the Austra, um, the South Africans on the weekend who defensively are really good. So um, it's going to be interesting to see his growth around if he can keep imposing himself around that hard defense because I think the South Africans are going to be a different kettle of fish for them. And I think more so in the fact that, yes, the All Blacks are a good defensive side and put them under pressure. But I think if you're talking around defensive units in the world at the moment, especially the South Africans who went up against uh, a physical outfit of the British and Irish Lions and even the Argentinians the week before, 
they're in a really good place. So I think, you know, if you're in a South African team, looking at that, um, you're going to be obviously wanting to uh, marry up that hard defense, put them under a lot of pressure and take away his, his running game because at the moment, um, he's easily the best running line in the competition for sure. Yeah, he's sharp. He's really sharp. Can he be a difference and help the Wallabies beat the Springboks? Can that happen this weekend, Jiffer? Oh, look, I, I think they have to believe, and I think he is a big factor of being the difference. Um, we've, we've seen um, he's he's a hell of a threat, and I think Bryn, um, you know, and, and I sort of touched on it before, is when he's off the cuff and he's playing um, what, what's in front of him is when he's at his best. Uh, and that's when he makes his most damaging, um, I suppose, inroads. But what I did like to see on the weekend is, um, you know, they had a couple of licks in between the two forties, and when they didn't quite get the gains they wanted, yeah. they went to the kick. And I thought he, yeah, I thought he kicked really well. Um, so, uh, and he was patient and composed in a round, like he didn't rush that. Um, you know, he got it to a, a point where, you know, one he kept his chase line um, in the in the fight. Uh, gave them the ability to contest those contestables and and two it, it sort of brought a balance to to their attack that mm -hmm. potentially we hadn't seen before and and very mm -hmm. similar to what we've seen from um south africa so uh another string to his bow and i think he'll be a big factor this weekend i think that's going to be massive i think for the australians this week Jip, because i think you know, both, if we're, if we're being honest, the All Blacks in Australia, they wanted to play rugby. You know, you look, you know, the conditions were, were outstanding in Perth and it seemed like it was hot over there, but, you know, both teams wanted to play. You know, they're 27 kicks from the All Blacks, 18 from the Wallabies, but that's going to go up a lot for the for the Springbok. So I think that no man's zone jump is going to be really important for the Australians moving forward because they will want to have a look, they will want to have a play, but just how with how the South Africans are defensively, they will have times where they will slow down their ball, they will have a great line set, then they're going to have to go into those kind of decision-making skills what they did on the weekend with uh, Tate McDermott putting up the box kicks. Whether you want to have also not Lollisier being able to put the contestables off 10, I think that's going to be have to massive growth for them moving forward because, look, they do want to play and they will play, but their decision-making skills around when they have to they have to shut up shot, I think as Dave Rennie actually brought up a really good point. If you get to that three to four phases and you're not going anywhere, you've got to have the ability then to be able to, how can you build pressure through contestable games like Tate McDermott did on the weekend because... Come this weekend when they do play the Springboks, they're going to have a lot more decision making. Yeah, going to have to make much more decisions around that when they do kick, if they don't run, if they don't want to run as well. Yeah, and I, I think I think another key factor is what we're talking about is on the flip side is we know that the Springboks are going to kick a hell of a lot, so their back three mm. is crucial this week, um, and the and the the work of their players, their forwards escorting to create little pockets <laughs> as we spoke about for the for the Lions and. And we know that the teams that are being successful at the moment at international level is the ones that are, you know, primarily nailing their defence. Uh, and defence will win games. The least amount of opportunities you give um, trying to play out of your half or trying to play out of your your, your red zone, um, the better, I think, because if, if you do give the Springboks that sniff, they, they, are, they are good enough to take it and, and turn that into points. So... It will be a real arm wrestle and, and something that they'll have to do for 80 minutes and have the discipline to stick to that for 80 minutes. Um, and those sorts of key facets will be um, crucial for the whole game. You just won't be able to switch off if, if they want to be in the fight. So just a quick one each from you. Do, you. do you pick Wallabies or do you pick Springboks? I'm going Springboks. Yeah, look, I, I think you have to go Springboks. Um, I just think defensively they're, they're so strong and they've just got a game plan that they just believe in. But they've also got the ability to go between um, game plans as well. So I just think they're in a really good space, mm. high on confidence, and, and will be mm. keen to get over here and make a statement and, and use in, you know, a couple of weeks. You know, that, Let's make no bones about it. They'll be targeting um, the All Blacks, but they're also such a... Um, smart team, well-led team, well-coached team, that they'll want to send a message with these next two performances. I think there's two things that probably the South Africans have done really, really well and the Australians will probably have to really be on for is you talk around the set piece. You know, the last time they, when they played the Argentinians, you know, they went to the, went to the line out more and really took their legs out through that way. So I think, and even in the British-Irish line series as well, set piece-wise, they had big scrum penalties and big moments in games. So their set piece parity is going to be massive for the South Africans, and they'll be wanting to impose their will on that department. And so you look at the, um, the um, Australians on the weekend, 
had a better scrum percentage and it had better line-out percentage as well, even though um, that wasn't top-quality ball at, at all times. But I think the parity around their set-piece um, is going to be massive because I think they had massive, if you're talking around when you play the All Blacks, the breakdown is massive because you, they play quick ball, got great skill set and execution under pressure. But I think they still have to have that mindset. But at the same time, getting those improvements in the set-piece for the South Africans will um, will definitely put them under pressure um, this coming weekend. I think I think they have to make a decision there. Um, I, I mentioned a few weeks mm. ago about Kieran Reid in that round robin game against the um, Springboks in the World Cup, and they didn't compete in the air; they just sacked, and they took that away from them. I think if the mm. Wallabies, you know, really focus on just okay, we're not going to compete. We know they're going to more with you know, let's take something that's a strength of theirs away from them and make them do something that they don't want to do. That those sorts mm. of little mind games and little small wins can play a big factor on one your own confidence, but actually denting them to having to go to plan B or C. Argentina, okay, we've just got a couple of minutes to go. Argentina, are they in a place like they were last year to beat the All Blacks, or is this another All Blacks win over Argentina, Brent? Oh, look, I don't think you ever underestimate um, an Argentinian team or any time, uh, even any team in kind of the, the top-tier nations. And I think, look, probably asked a similar question last year when we were playing the Argentinians who didn't have a lot of preparation time and, and, and beat the All Blacks, you know. So I don't think there's um, the All Blacks won't be resting on their laurels and being anything around um, being complacent because, look, they're on a they're on a road to be able to obviously play the, the Springboks and obviously they're not going to talk about it because um, they're, week, they're a week-to-week preparation team and seeing what's in front of them. But look, they'll be want to improve in their performance in, in areas, you know, we talked around the heart defence, you know, they'll want to sew that up a little bit better and there'll be improvements in their game and they'll always want to continue to keep getting better. But look, I think they are in, in they would be the favourites moving into this into this game against the Argentinians. But look, the Argentinians have enough there and enough uh, prowess and enough passion, especially when they do play the All, All Blacks. They, they, they lift a different level. So um, I'm still backing the All Blacks, though they should win comfortably. But um, look, you never underestimate the Argentinians at all. Yeah, look, I think if Argy are going to win this one, they've got to do what they did last year and bring that you know real defensive presence and be brutal and, and dominant in that area. And then when they're attacking, they've got to bring their flair. Man, they look so good when they're getting their offload game, playing that off the cuff, attacking chip and chases on the edge. All that sort of toes ahead, um, things that aren't planned or, or trained during the week, they just happen um, out in the game. That's that's when they're at their best. And I think if both mm. sides of the ball, they can bring that intensity defensively. And then that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it's all, it's just razzle, I suppose. It's um, something you can't sort of put into words, but they are really good mm. um, at executing it. And they did that really well in that 75th to 85th minute against the Springboks, and, and they need to take the juices they got out of that and, and bring that in droves um, coming up against the All Blacks. But I, mm. I, I think we'll see a bit of change and, and, a, and a little bit of ch- change in style in the All Blacks, and I think they'll be backing themselves to, to get the job done. Plenty of football to look forward to this weekend, the Rugby Championship in full swing. Once again, thank you for joining us on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Thanks to Bryn Hall. Thanks to James Parsons. We'll see you again next week. Kaki te ano.